your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lefty comes set. Here's the 2-2 pitch to Matthews. Matthews hits one well to left, backing up his aid. He's to the wall, and it is off the top of the wall. One run scores. Here comes Everett to score. Motoring around in third is Banjoff. And for the second time this season, Bryce Matthews has delivered a bases-clearing double. This one gives Nebraska a 7-6 lead. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are for the Hump Day edition of Sports Island. Hope you had a great day today. Appreciate you being along here tonight. Listen to us chit-chat about sports. A lot of Husker sports headlines here on the day. Here's what we have lined up for you tonight. We have been using Wednesdays during the month of May to... Revive our Big Ten Blitz as we check in with all the campuses around the league as spring football practices are wrapping up. Tonight, we will check in with the folks at Purdue, Minnesota, and Penn State. What were their spring practices like? Uh, we started this a couple of weeks ago. This is our third edition, so these will be teams 7, 8, and 9 that we have talked about here in the last couple of weeks, and we'll have three more headed your way next Wednesday night. Love, love getting this. Love hearing from our contributors about what were some of the big storylines in their towns, their campuses, and their institutions during spring. So we'll we'll uh, clip off those three coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Hour number two, I had a chance today to catch up with Lance Harvell, assistant coach for the Huskers baseball team. He's also the recruiting coordinator. We're going to have an extended pregame show on Friday night. We're going to have a full hour, and so we're going to ha- we'll have the full interview with Lance on Friday night's pregame show. But we'll give you a little clip of that, and we'll talk about how valuable he has been as part of this Wilbolt staff of this Husker baseball team. So I think you'll enjoy getting a little teaser of that tonight. Lane Grindle will be here. He never teases. He's always legit. He's our Major League Baseball insider. We'll get the latest from some of the week's headlines with Lane coming up in the second hour. Hour number three, we'll have Buy Sell coming your way. Can't wait to hear how we answered some questions from last week and what kind of questions we have this week lined up for you as well. And as always, want to have your input to the program at 531 500 4686. That's the number to call us or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Well, Ben, let's start with kind of the who's staying and who's going. That was kind of a parts of the headlines today. Let's start with Husker football. And I'm, I, when I heard this this morning, I was not surprised. And that was uh, Ronald Tompkins entering the transfer portal. We talked quite a bit during the spring. We talked quite a bit on the spring game broadcast about the depth and the number of guys that are going to be fighting for carries in that running back room. And you kind of felt like somebody was probably going to hit the exit button on this thing. And, you know, you look at it, and somebody asked me today, where, if, if there was a true depth chart at running back, where would Tompkins fall? And I go, maybe fifth string, maybe sixth string. Uh, you know, um, a, a wonderful talent that's always had injury situations. He had an injury his senior year of high school that kept him from competing. So he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, now there's a room with guys that are hungry and that have jumped over him on the depth chart. So what what reaction did you have when you heard the news about Tompkins earlier today? Yeah, I mean, obviously – 
I've been a big proponent, big fan of Ronald Tompkins on the show for a long time. You know, I think, uh, you know, going back to a conversation that Coach Held had with us um, when he was in studio Ronald's freshman year, I think it might have been after his coach's show, we were just kind of having a sidebar about Ronald, and, and he was very excited about, about Ronald, and I, I was too. He come from the same high school as Mo Berry and, um, you know, was dealt a really tough blow um, you know, his last year when in, uh, in high school when he, you know, tore the knee up and unfortunately wasn't able to play. And, you know, Nebraska, to, to their credit, honored their scholarship and worked with Ronald and did everything they could to get him back to a, a, a point where he could compete, um, you know, at the college level and, you know, be a contributor, be a factor. And he put a lot of hard work in. I know Ronald would be the first one to tell you just how difficult that was mentally uh, of a hurdle to, uh, you know, to have to, you know, sit back on the sideline rehab while all of his teammates were seeing that success. And, you know, coach held, I think even then told us that, you know, had Ronald been healthy, you know, he would have been one of the bigger running back recruits in the country. And I, and I believe that to be true. Unfortunately, you know, the, the weight of, of getting back and finding a way to get healthy has been a lot steeper of a mountain to climb than uh, I think any of us, including Ronald imagined, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, that it's come to this, that he hasn't been able to be healthy. And I think he's played in maybe three games as a Husker in his career. And it just hasn't quite manifested on the field. And, you know, I think a, a fresh a fresh scene could, could be good for him. It could be good for, um, you know, kind of his, not only his future, but, you know, what he gets out of, a, you know, his college uh, experience as a football player. And another thing we got to realize is he was almost – done done i mean he was he was close to being having his football career behind him based on um you know that just his his knee issues and his knee history so you know for him to be in this position i think he'll gladly you know take where he's at but you know with such a crowded running back room and eligibility running out i think in his case it makes a lot of sense it would have been a remarkable story if he could have made this work um and you know got on the field and turned into the player that we all thought maybe he could be, um, you know, pre-injury. But, you know, I think he's kind of missed his window, so to speak, to really grab a hold of the position. And, you know, from his standpoint, he knows Nebraska couldn't stop recruiting the position. They need somebody out there that's going to give them meaningful snaps and be out there on the field. So tough situation to be in. There's no doubt. I wish him well. I think he, he truly did pour everything he had into this program while he was here. And, you know, you, you just you hope to see him catch on someplace else and have his college career still worthwhile after everything he's been through. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about the room, even with the news today. I, I liked what I saw from Gabe Irvin. Marvin Scott, I thought, looked like he had a little bit better quickness to his step this year. Maybe that's just a confidence level that he knows what he's doing a little bit better, a little bit more of a comfort. Sevion Morrison, I think, is an incredible talent. And Jock Yant is, is going to be a fan favorite. And, and that's not even mentioning Marquis Stepp, who the transfer from USC who did not compete during spring, should be back in about a month to start getting geared up for uh, August and the upcoming season. So I, I'm still excited about that room, even with the news today. And again, t- going back to my original comment, I just wasn't surprised today. I just felt like somebody was going to leave. And I kind of thought it might be Ronald Tompkins or Ramir Johnson. And so, uh, and I didn't even mention Ramir Johnson. There's a guy that's probably the fastest of that bunch that's in that backfield with uh, with uh, Irvin and Scott and Morrison and Step. So, and Yant. 
So I, I think there's enough in the toolbox for Ryan Hill to, to go compete with here in the fall. So that was the news that popped this morning on, on another edition. I, I was surprised a week or so ago that we'd only heard the two wide receivers that jumped into the transfer portal. I thought the number might be five to seven, and it still could get there, although we're, we're getting separated quite a bit now between when spring ball ended and, and where we are now here getting into the late stages of May. But uh, the third the third name to enter the portal for Nebraska came today in Ronald Tompkins. All right, that's who's leaving, who's staying. Tim had this in the ticker. Ben, and that's Lexi's son, opting to come back and take the advantage of the NCAA rule to get another year. This is giant news. This is one of the better outside hitters in collegiate volleyball. And to get her to come back, this is going to be a loaded Husker team in the fall. It's going to be anyway. And now you keep an All-American on the court. i got to imagine John Cook's got a big smile on his face tonight knowing he gets one more season of Lexi's son. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's one of the best players in the country, period, at any position. And to get her experience back, her leadership, obviously what she does on the floor, um, just just absolutely a huge, huge, huge win for Husker Volleyball today. And I'm excited to see her in, in Husker Red again. I know the fans are too. Um, weren't able to watch her play at all this year, which was unfortunate. But, um, you know, after a really tough loss, you know, to finish the season – um, you know, running into a really good Texas Longhorn team, I, I feel like this is a this is as good of a scenario as you could get. Now there's still one more decision, huge decision to be made, and we hope it's there with Lawrence Stibbins. And if not, you know, she's going to be going to play pro volleyball, you know, someplace else. But um, absolutely, just as a phenomenal, phenomenal win today, and you hope that uh, uh, you know she takes advantage of this and becomes that you know, that leader that, that she already is to these new players because this is a a huge, huge recruiting class to be in and to be uh, kind of solidified with, with leadership already with uh, Lexi and with, you know, Nicklin Hames and, you know, some of the other players. It's uh, absolutely a, a big win. And I'm sure John Cook and every other, you know, staff member, teammate, everybody involved with Husker Volleyball was was very, very thrilled to see the uh, the outcome of that today. Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, we, there's a, there is a feeling that this name image likeness is going to be approved sometime this summer for student athletes to start getting compensated for the use of their name, their image, their likeness. And the research has already been done. Lexi's son is the most marketable athlete on campus, more than Adrian Martinez more than any men's basketball player, more than any women's basketball player, more than any Husker baseball player, it's Lexi's son. And she stands to, to profit from this in this new day and age of college athletics where they're going to get compensated for people using their image, whether it be for a poster, a, 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 some kind of company, spokesperson for a company, whatever they end up doing. She's the most marketable person. And that had to factor, Ben, into this decision. I mean, she I'm sure she analyzed all sides of this thing, but they're, they're talking that she may profit from this up to, up to six figures with this deal. That's, uh, again, looks like it's going to be legislated through uh, sometime midsummer and would go in effect for the fall. That I'm sure she took that into account. I'm, she's a bright gal. I'm sure that absolutely had to factor into this thing for her. 
And good for her. She's going to, I think, profit off being a, a successful collegiate athlete at the University of Nebraska. Good for her. And why not? I mean, I think you're going to have some pioneers in this. And, and, and really good news for Nebraska is some of the pioneers are going to be wearing scarlet and cream. You know, yep. of, any, of any place, any sport in the country, this is going to be something that, you know, we're really proud of by the end of it. And you better believe is going to help Nebraska get some student athletes on campus and become future Huskers because of players like Lexi Sun and Adrian Martinez when, when this goes through. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to speak too much about athletes that aren't here anymore, but you think about some members of, of some Husker teams that have left in the last calendar year, you know, where they could have fallen in something like this too. Um, could be something they regret, could not. It's all speculative at this point, but I do think that, you know, being an athlete at Nebraska with a fan base that we have and an institution that does everything in their power and an athletic department that does everything in their power for these young people to succeed on and off the floor or court or field, um, it's going to be seen in something like this. And Nebraska's already started laying the foundation and framework for this for when it passes. So there's not that gap of figuring it out or, you know, how's this thing going to work? They're going to be able to hit the ground running whenever this thing passes, and that's going to be great news for the student-athletes. Absolutely, and I think that probably is why it took her a few weeks to make this decision. She wanted to make sure this – that this was this might have been the final component. Is it going to happen before her senior year is over? The answer appears to be yes, and that would be a major. Yeah, because you, you could go off and play pro volleyball and probably make decent money. I think she's going to make more here her senior year at Nebraska if this legislation gets through. And I know I know some people this might bore you to hear talk of name image likeness, but it's it's here to stay, and it's going to be a huge factor in a lot of college athletes' decision on what schools to go to and how long to stay in school. It's just going to be a big component of all those decisions, uh, among other things that student-athletes consider when they're picking out where they want to go further their education and where they want to go compete at the collegiate level. We'll try to stay on top of that for you as well. All right, those are some of the headlines for the program tonight. When we come back, we'll uh, spin it around the league. We call it the Big Ten Blitz. That's coming up next. We're back here on a Wednesday night, Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. And as we've done every Wednesday through the month of May, we've gone and checked out what happened at spring ball at all the other campuses around the Big Ten Conference. We call this little segment the Big Ten Blitz. The Big Ten Blitz. And we'll start with Purdue. And here to tell us about the Boilermakers, Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier. Mike, good evening. How are things in your world? Great! I didn't know you had me hitting leadoff tonight. Well, we put we like to lead with the heavy hitters because if the rest of the segment <laughs> fails, we know who to blame it on. So yeah, well, use the right word in heavy. Yes, I am heavy. <laughs> How big of a storyline was the new defensive coordinator during spring ball for the Boilers? Well, it's probably the the, the one storyline to watch going into the season is this not only the change in the defensive coordinator but the whole defensive stab. It's all it's all new. Uh, they're going to try to get back to being more aggressive on defense, and uh, we'll we'll see if that takes place. But you know, there's new energy and new blood and a new way of doing things, and uh, we'll see how that works out. Besides that, what were some of the bigger emphases in you as you viewed it for what they were trying to get done during their 15 practices? Well, you know, this uh, they've been trying to get their running game going. 
over the last couple seasons, and it's been sputtering. Um, and they, they've got to find a way to, to get some balance into their offense. As everyone knows, they've thrown the ball pretty well uh, during the Jeff Brom tenure, but the running game, at least the last couple years, has been lacking. And, you know, they're not they're not going to be a program or a team that rushes for 200 yards every game, but uh, their inability to get short yardage situations on third and fourth down, you know, has stopped drives and led led the game-winning drives for, for other teams. So uh, that's an area I, I think they really need to, to get going. Uh, at least in the early part of 2021, is is finding finding a consistent running game. Did Coach Brom name a starting quarterback, or will that competition continue into August? That competition will continue most likely until 50 minutes before the <laughs> first game against Oregon State, based on past history. Who are the who are the likely candidates for that? I mean, a couple of those guys are back that played quite a bit for him last year. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell uh, got the starting nod against Iowa last year, and then got hurt, and then Jack Plummer came in. Yeah. Uh, so those two are, are are one and two, and or one and one A probably most likely. And then you still have Austin Burton who came in last season as a transfer from UCLA, who, who gives them a, probably more of a running dimension. And, and Jeff Brom has has talked about, and I think he wants to do it. He wants to get more uh, mobility out of the quarterback position and get a, a few more rushing yards out of that spot. And Burton would probably give give them uh, that that production, but he's he did not play last year, and he's yet to really overtake the other two. But you know he's, he's now got a full year under his belt, and you know this summer, and then obviously when they start training camp, uh, it's going to be big for him. Mike, how, how active have they been in the transfer portal with guys who have entered from the program, and have they gone and gotten some people out of the transfer portal? Yeah, they've gotten quite a few coming in. You know, they've lost a handful to, to double figures for a variety of reasons, but they, they needed to address um, several needs. Number one, in the secondary, they've added a couple guys from Florida and Kentucky. Uh, they've added a defensive lineman, a linebacker, uh, but maybe the most important one is they, they did find a kicker, and they got one from uh, uh, from the F- FCS level, who was a second-team All-American, uh, uh, Mitchell uh, Furnerman, and uh, you know if he can hold down that kicking spot, that'll be a, that'll be a boost for them. But they they were very active in it, like a lot of schools, and uh, they're going they're, they're going to need some immediate help. Uh, in, in certain spots across the, across that team. Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier. Mike, we appreciate it. Enjoy your summer. All right. Thank you, Greg. Penn State. And here to talk about the Nittany Lions, Corey Geiger of NittanySportsNow.com. What does the quarterback situation look like at Happy Valley exiting spring ball, Corey? Well, it'll be Sean Clifford. He's a two-year starter. Uh, big things are going to be expected from him in Mike Yersich's offense because Mike Yersich has been able to score a lot of points at Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and Texas. Now, can Sean Clifford be the guy that's going to be consistent and make all the throws and not turn the ball over? Those are those are still big questions. I mean, Sean Clifford has done some good things during his two years as a starter, but he also got benched last year because he was turning the ball over a lot. 
Um, essentially, if you look at the NCAA stats over the past couple of years, Greg, Sean Clifford's basically been the 30th to 40th best quarterback in the country. Uh, is that going to be enough to win a Big Ten East title and, and get to the playoff? Uh, you know, it remains to be seen. All right. What well, besides that, and, and Clifford obviously is a lightning rod around there. Our quarterbacks usually are at big time programs. What were what were a com- couple of the bigger story lines in your eyes for spring ball? Well, just the fact that they're able to get the offense installed. Uh, last year, they hired Kirk Sharaka from Minnesota as the offensive yep. coordinator, and then you have to do all of it on Zoom calls. No, you know, no spring ball, no summer ball. So you're you're having to install everything on Zoom. And, you know, while most people's lives, uh, we, we, we've been able to adapt and, and, and get used to the way things work on Zoom. I don't necessarily think installing a college offense on Zoom is the best way to go about it. So then what happened was they got off to a slow start. Clifford turning the ball over. Sharaka's trying to mesh his offense with Penn State's offense that was left over from Joe Moorhead and Ricky. So it just was not a good fit. So Mike Yersich comes in. He's going to bring his offense. This is Mike Yersich's offense. It's not going to be some holdover, you know, meshing of what they've had. And so I think having spring ball to install all of it really was was just uh, important because they've got the pieces in place. They've got good receivers. They've got a lot of receiving depth. The offensive line should be okay. So, again, it really just comes back to can your quarterback make the plays. Man, they had some huge losses on the defensive side of the ball, guys that are going to be earning a big paycheck in the NFL in the upcoming year. Where where do they stand on defense in your eyes, and what were the questions going into spring, and did they answer those on that side of the ball exiting spring? The the defense was ahead of the offense. We got to see two spring scrimmages here. They didn't have a traditional blue-white game, but they had two open scrimmages. And the defense was ahead of the offense, as you could maybe well expect. The secondary here should be one of the better defensive back groups that Penn State's had really in, in 20 years. This, this is a really good secondary. Joey Porter Jr. is there. Tariq Castro-Fields. They brought in a kid, uh, 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 Kalen King, that's that's playing as a true freshman, doing really well in spring. So that part's good. Um, the linebackers should be good. They've recruited well. The defensive line is going to be the key. They, they lose Shaka uh, Tony, they lose Jason Oway. They've gotten some guys out of the transfer portal to help on, on that side there. But, uh, you know, the back seven should be fine. If the front four uh, can, can really make a lot of progress, then it, it could be a really good defense. Yeah, you alluded to it there, and I, I like asking people, how, how active is the transfer portal? How has it impacted Penn State? Have, have guys left? Have they acquired guys? What's that look like? Yeah, I was checking the numbers when, when you asked the, the previous guest. They've had 10 leave. 10 guys okay. have transferred. They brought in six, you know, a mixture of offensive linemen, defensive linemen. A uh, secondary guy brought in a quarterback from South Carolina. Uh, so it, but it's fascinating. That's 16 people. 16 yeah. people, Greg. And we're just going to have to get used to that. All these, all these Big Ten riders you're going to talk to over the years, I think it's going to be 15 to 20 every year in terms of coming and going. And, and who would have thought that just a few years ago? But they lost 10 players. They lost some good ones, including Antonio Shelton, who was a, a defensive lineman. He went to Florida. So uh, it's this is just the new norm. It's, it's the wild, wild west out there. It's a different world, Corey. You're right. It is. It's going to completely change how coaching staffs even organize their rosters because you're going to just have to anticipate guys walking out the door and a, and a, good, no group of, and a good group of guys to go get, too. No, no question. We're talking football here. College basketball is my favorite sport. Penn State had, has had eight 
highest in the portal at one point or another. So, uh, I mean, you you talk college basketball, upwards of 40% of the players in college basketball are going to be in the portal when all is said and done in this year. So what's interesting is, especially basketball, but really football too, how much will these kids think the grass is greener on the other side versus they get out there and now they've got some looks, but it's not quite as good as, you know, maybe where – where, where they already were. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out over the next few years. No doubt. Corey Geiger of NittanySportsNow.com. Corey, we appreciate it. Have a great summer. We'll talk to you again in the fall. Take care, Greg. Minnesota. And here to talk about the Gophers, Andy Greeter of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Andy, what were a couple of the major headline storylines of spring ball for PJ Flex Squad? Yeah, I think the fact that you know they have 20 of 22 starters coming back. Uh, the two starters that they lost were Rashad Bateman, who was a first-round draft pick, and Benjamin St. Juice, who was a third-round pick. Uh, so they like the experience that's coming back. But, you know, this is the year of the super senior, and every team is going to be experienced. It's kind of what kind of quality do you have and the guys that are coming back. And, and the Gophers need to see improvements uh, defensively, first and foremost. They need to have better linebacking play. They need to have better play in the secondary, and they need to find other options with Rashad Bateman off to the NFL. Yeah, that, that's such a great trio of wide receivers a couple of years ago, and now most of them are playing in the NFL. What about the depth at that position? Are there playmakers that are ready to step in for the, the Johnsons and the Batemans that they've had? Yeah, well, they've got Chris Oppenbell, who is kind of that third wide receiver for the last couple of years. He's now the, no, the number one. And Daniel Jackson, who was a true freshman from Kansas, uh, last year showed some 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 sparks of, of being able to be a playmaker. You know they got a transfer uh, from Texas A&M named Dylan Wright, who uh, they were high on coming in, but fans were disappointed that he wasn't able to go in spring practice. They kind of describe him as raw, so we'll see if he's more of a project versus a, a contributor straight away. So that's a big question mark for this offense for Mike Sanford in his second year. You know, they talked about going to the tight end more, and and that didn't come to fruition last year. So, you know, who those options are in the passing game is yet to be seen. All right, you mentioned the linebacker needed better play there. Did they feel like they accomplished some of that in spring, or is that still a question going into the summer and then the fall camp? Yeah, I think it's it's still very much a, a question mark. Mariano sorry, Marin, who was so hyped by P.J. Fleck and – Defensive coordinator Joe Rossi going into last year uh, did not produce anywhere near the level that he should have. I think he was uh, rated the 770th linebacker by Pro Football Focus. And, you know, to kind of shore up that position, uh, they brought in Jack Gibbons, who is a transfer from Abilene Christian at the FCS level because they need to get better there. Uh, Braylon Oliver, uh, you know, had a, had a bad knee. Uh, a year ago in spring ball, missed all of last year. Uh, they're hopeful that he can come back and, and be a kind of a blitzing linebacker that uh, showed success in, in 2019. All right, how about depth of the quarterback spot? You know the number one, like Nebraska, the number one spot's pretty locked in. What about depth behind Tanner Morgan? Yeah, Zach Anikstead uh, has been the backup for a couple of years now. He's dealt with uh, some injuries, and, you know, it's always – Curious to see who sticks around, especially at that spot. I know Nebraska fans have had turnover there, and I've kind of been waiting for Zach Anikstead to potentially go in the transfer portal, but he stayed loyal and committed to the Gophers. Uh, he's a home state kid that 
you know, actually started that game in Lincoln. Uh, I think it was in 2018, uh, but has been behind Tanner Morgan since then. So he has some experience, and, you know, he's one snap away from, from being QB1. And uh, I think he's waited for a shot uh, to do so if, if something, unfortunately, were to happen to Tanner Morgan. Kind of becoming a rare quality of a guy waiting to sit and wait yeah. for a turn. I, I admire that when kids do stick it out. Andy Greeter, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Andy, we appreciate the rundown. Enjoy your summer, and we'll tap on you again in the fall. All right, sounds great. Thanks, guys. Here we are, hour two of our Wednesday show. Thank you so much for spending some time. We're going to talk some baseball this hour, Husker baseball, and then Major League Baseball. Lane Grindle, our insider, will join us later on in the hour. Going to chat with Lance Harvell, Husker assistant coach, second-year coach on Will Bolt's staff here in Lincoln. And he has been pegged to be in charge of the offense, recruiting, a lot of things we'll get into with Lance. It's a precursor of a full-blown interview that will play in its entirety Friday night before the opening game of the pod for Nebraska as they take on Indiana at 7 o'clock. We'll have an hour of pregame shows. So we'll play the full interview for you tomorrow night. We'll also keep some phone lines open later on in the hour, 531-500-4686, the number to dial us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. Uh, if you cho- so choose, both numbers would work for either one of those. Uh, Coach Harvell came with Will Bolt two years ago. They were knew each other from their days back in the state of Texas. Uh, coached together at the junior college level, and Coach Harvell was at Sam Houston State before departing for Lincoln to be one of the top assistants for Husker baseball. And one of the things I asked him earlier today was, how would he describe this Husker offense? Well, I think um, this this year we've we've shown exactly what what we want to do and what I want us to be as an offense is, is dynamic. You know, I, I want to be able to do a lot of, a lot of things, uh, and be able to beat you in a lot of different ways. And we've been able to do that uh, this year. You know, we call it shortening and lengthening the field. So we want to be able to, um, you know, put down a, put down a bunt for a base hit whenever we want. And at the same time, be able to split gaps and hit the ball out of the ballpark and just kind of have that dynamic element to your offense to where, defenses don't know how to play you they don't uh, pitchers don't know how to pitch you and the defenses don't know how to play you because you can kind of do it all and when you when you mix in some speed with that um which we have we've stolen some bases this year too um you got a chance the whole really the whole thought is i want to be able to beat you even if we're not you know hitting on all cylinders offensively if if uh you know because every every team kind of hits that point in a in a season where you always have one or two guys that are maybe scuffling at a different time or fighting their way through something. But every, every year you kind of have, you know, uh, two weeks, maybe we're just, it just seems like the whole whole team is kind of hitting a, a little slump or something at once. And um, you know, what, what my philosophy is and the way that we run our offense and the things that we're able to do is even when we're not swinging it well or hitting on all cylinders, um, we can still find ways to score runs and beat you uh, just through our execution and the way that we run the bases. Yeah. Yeah, I'm busy with Coach Harvell here on the Husker Sports Network. You've seen everybody in the league except Michigan, so you have a pretty good handle on what this league is about. What was your perception of Big Ten baseball before you came to Nebraska, and is it different today than what it might have been two years ago? Yeah, the league is a lot um, – it's a lot more competitive and deeper, I think, than, than probably what I gave it credit for uh, and I think what the what the country gives it credit for. 
um, you know, my really my only um, interaction, I guess you could say, or, or experience with the league. We played Purdue. This is probably six years ago now. Um, when I was at Sam Houston State, we played Purdue down in a tournament in Corpus Christi, and they walked us off twice. And that was that was my only experience. And then we opened up with them this year down in Round Rock, and they walked us off in the first game. And I was like, Is this just what it's like? Is this that's <laughs> Purdue just uh, just walk everybody off? Is that is that the case here? But um, no, I, you know, I think the the perception, especially down south with the Big Ten, is that. Um, you know, it's just not a very deep league or, or there's, you know, it's top heavy. Uh, but what, what I've seen is it's a, it's a dog fight. I mean, week in and week out, no matter who you're playing, um, it's deeper than what a lot of people think or, or know or realize. Um, and there's, there's players everywhere. And, and so uh, I think you have more teams and schools probably uh, making more of a, uh, making more of a commitment to baseball now than they ever have. I think you have more coaches working harder at it now in, in the conference than, than there ever have been. And so um, it's not, it's not slowing down anytime soon. I think it's just going to continue to get better and better as far as the brand of baseball being played. And it's going to get more and more competitive. How, how, uh, how challenging will the arms that you're going to see this weekend be for the, for the Huskers? Yeah, they're going to be good. Um, you know, a couple guys that are, that are at the top of the, top of the league and in, in different you know categories but i don't think it's going to let up uh as for you know a normal weekend usually you kind of um the pitching kind of kind of maybe tapers off a little bit maybe um and that's not going to be the case this weekend i think we're seeing everybody's either their number one or their number two so uh, but a couple of them we've already seen before so it, it's not going to be um anything we haven't seen in person and even with the guys that we haven't seen, um, I don't think it's it's not going to be anything we haven't seen ever. Uh, I don't think they're going to throw anything at us that really catches us uh, off guard. And usually at this point in the year, um, you kind of tend to yeah you have a you have a game plan going into going into the game as far as um, what you need to do uh, to win the game. But a lot of times too, it's just it's really about you. And that's our, that's been our focus this week is it's, this is about us. And if we do, you know, these handful of things, well, if we can control these things and do a good job of it, um, I like our chances. And that's kind of been where we've, where we've been the last maybe a couple of weeks in, in practice is kind of tightening the screws a little bit on, on some things, you know, at the offensively, just with our approach and, um, and what we're trying to do at the plate in certain situations. Um, and I think if we can if we can do a good job managing that and and executing our game plan, um, usually we've we've been pretty good. We've been we've been tough to get out and tough to keep off the scoreboard. There's a snippet of my interview with Lance Harvell again. You'll hear the entire thing Friday in our extended pregame show from Bloomington. Lance joined us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing. More choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Interesting guy, Ben, and, and he's fit in so well. And, and uh, you'll hear on the Friday night version, he's really enjoyed, he, he and his family have really enjoyed their time in Lincoln and being a part of Husker Nation. And I just think, I, th- I think the staff has just got a great energy about them with, with Lance, obviously Coach Bold at the top of the ladder, and then Jeff Christie. Yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing to me you know, how seamless that transition was and how, 
easy Coach Harvell fit um, here at Nebraska, not just his staff. I mean, we think we knew he was going to fit well with his staff. But, you know, fit with, you know, everything that, that was going on here and the people and the culture, and it was just fantastic. It was so cool to see, and he's just such a fun guy to be around, easy guy to talk to. Players love him. They love playing for him. And for those in the offense, how could you not love it? I mean, how could you not want to be a part of an offense like that that can do so many different things and he has so much trust and faith in, in you as a hitter to execute those plays in big situations and and, and to have trust in you to, to deliver it's it's just got to be such a good feeling as a player he also has the title recruiting coordinator and i think it's something he really enjoys doing and you it's hard to argue with the success the staff has had putting together just a couple of classes including one that looks on paper to be an excellent class that's going to be here in the fall. What do you make of him as a recruiter two years into this thing? I mean, it's impossible to not be impressed, right? I mean, you think of the players that he's brought in and, um, you know, the little uh, Big Lebowski gift that he he tweets out every time you get a commit. It's, it's exciting. You're, you're, every time you see that, you're, you're always wondering, okay, who is it? Their, their ability to recruit in the state has just been phenomenal. And I can't wait to see some of the, you know, the way that the prospects turn out here. You've been around, I guess, coaches longer than I have back with Coach A. I mean, how does he, how does he compare for a guy like Coach A even within state recruiting? Yeah, I think I think this staff has made no bones about it. They want to lock down the borders, and you're not going to get everybody. You can't take everybody for one thing. You're gonna there's going to be guys that slip through, slip through, and for, everybody's got their own reasons. Some people want to get away, right? Some kid, some 18 year olds go, I want to go somewhere else. I mean, so you can't force everybody to come and be a part of this program. But I just feel like there's an energy and a freshness about this group that it's attractive to guys from the Omaha, Lincoln area, or wherever it may be throughout the state, that they want to be a part of what looks like a really fun thing that's going on right now. So I I, I just think he has fit in perfectly. I think it was a great hire by Will Bolt. Will said it wasn't a, even a – it was a no-brainer hire for him to do. But, again, I just think the, what's happening on the field is not by accident. There's a plan. There is a group of guys, including Coach Harvell, who have set in motion a plan – to keep Husker baseball really relevant right now. And I think it's pretty exciting to follow this. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, I think it all starts with your relationship with, with your staff and with your players. And it's, and it's hard to not, I mean, it's impossible to, to have any success if you don't have that. And he definitely proven that he has. Yeah. So recruiting is such a huge part of it. I know they're excited about the NCAA opening the doors again in June 1st. Think about this, and, you know, this staff hasn't been able to get out and really see kids play in almost two years. I mean, because last year it got locked down in March, about the time high school baseball around the country was getting underway. They couldn't go to any summer competitions last year. So they've had to do a lot of evaluating off of tape. So I know they are excited to get out, start catching some summer baseball once the season ends here and start putting together a class that they'll sign this next November. They've already got some commitments for that. And the class they signed this past November, pretty darn impressive for Husker baseball. Back here on a Wednesday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. We talked Husker baseball in the last segment. This segment, we're going to talk about the big league boys. And none better to do that than our insider. 
His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, a lot has happened since we last talked. We got uh, guys hitting 3-0 pitches off of an on-pitcher. We got Mike Trout hurt. I mean, there's just been a lot. Baseball's never boring, right? I mean, there's with games every day. There's a lot going on in the league all the time. <laughs> there's always a chance for something crazy to happen. We <laughs> we talk about that all the time, that, you know, when you come to the ballpark, you always have this, like, clean little nine-inning game in your mind, and then baseball happens, right? Like, you see something that you've never seen before, at least every week in this game, I, I would say at least every week, I see something like this. Um, you know, they go, well, I've never seen that before. You know, um, it's just, it's wild. It's fun. The way the game is played and the way the ball can go anywhere, it just, it, it opens itself up for all sorts of craziness and chaos to ensue. And that's what I love about it. And that's what, you know, it consumes us for six months because of the length of the season, and that's what all the twists and turns is what makes it a fascinating sport to follow. I mentioned Trout out six to eight weeks. That's a shame. You hate to see one of the game's bright stars not play for that length of time. But my goodness, Lane, what Otani is doing with the Angels right now is just mind-boggling to me. Leading the league in homers, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. How amazing is it what Otani is accomplishing, and how many heads is he turning around baseball right now? Well, every head is is the answer. I don't think there's anybody that follows baseball that isn't uh, amazed and just admiring what Shohei Otani is doing. Um, we knew he was a special talent when he signed and when he came over from Japan. He was also young. You know, a lot of times when guys come over from Japan – there may be in their upper twenties, at least he was in his lower twenties. And so there was more left, you know, there, there, there was, there was more feeling left in Shohei Otani. And he was a, you know, a generational superstar over there already. And I think almost all of us, and I will throw myself into the mix here, really doubted that he'd be able to do both. You know, Oh, eventually he's going to have to pick a lane. He's going to have to be a pitcher or he's going to have to be a hitter. And he's probably good enough to do both to do one or the other but nobody's good enough to do both. Well, he is doing both and he's doing both at the best level that you could possibly do it at. Uh, He's the MVP right now in the American league. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And um, it's just incredible. It's what Babe Ruth did. Only he's doing it by throwing a hundred miles an hour and hitting the ball 110 miles per hour off the bat. So in many ways, it's more impressive. Just amazing. And because he's, on the the West Coast, a lot of late night games. The Angels aren't particularly great. That he just a little bit like Trout. You just don't you don't get a lot of his actions in live primetime play, and it's too bad because he is just an amazing amazing talent. I mentioned the flare up the other night. I want your thoughts on the White Sox and the Twins. The Twins uh, put out there a, a, a position player to pitch. It's a it's a blowout game. That's the ninth inning. 3-0 pitch gets hammered by Mercedes out of the ballpark for the White Sox. Where do you come down on that? And then were you surprised of Tony La Russa, his own manager's comments about him? Well, it seems like this entire storm is now centered on Tony La Russa. And, I mean, I get that. He has kind of publicly called out one of his players 
And we don't see that a lot in this day and age, especially when they did something that was positive to the scoreboard <laughs> in, in, in hitting a, you know, hitting, hitting a home run on a three Oh pitch. So uh, I, I think everybody's having a hard time wrapping their mind around this. Like, Hey, he did his job, uh, sportsmanship, you know, okay, well, that's fine. But is it that big a deal? You know, make a better pitch than, well, it's a position player. You know, I, it's complicated. Uh, I, I would say this, I don't have a problem with, your mean Mercedes hitting the home run. Um, you're in the batter's box to hit. Uh, the situation is what it is. Go ahead and go, you know, go take a big cut. And if you hit a home run, great. That doesn't bother me. I understand Tony Larusa has an issue with it. Um, he, he's the manager. He's going to say what he thinks uh, about that situation. I do have an issue with the Twins throwing behind him. Uh, I do not think that what he did even comes close to warranting any type of retaliation from the other team. I, I, I have an issue with that. I, I just think that that's um, a little too sensitive, in my opinion. Um, so I got a little issue with that. I think a lot of people feel – it feels like there's a lot of people kind of rooting for the White Sox to turn against La Russa, and I'm not sure it will happen. Um, they've been playing really well. They're a really talented team. They have a chance to have a great season. I'm sure guys in the clubhouse take issue with what La Russa has said and done through this situation, but I think they'll get through this. Um, I, I, I don't see this turning into something that hovers over this team for the entirety of the season and they just never get on track because they keep thinking about when Tony La Russa called out your mean Mercedes after he hit a home run off a position player. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so I think the people that are hoping for that to happen are probably going to end up being disappointed. I think that the, the White Sox will turn the page on this in the next couple of days. They'll continue to play well because they're a really talented team with a great roster. Um, Tony LaRusse is a different manager than maybe most of the modern managers today. And there's going to be times where he's going to do and say things that some people might not like. Um, but I think the White Sox are still going to have a really successful season when it's all said and done. And at the end of the day, that's what really matters is the wins and losses. And I think the White Sox are going to get enough of them that it'll keep um, at least any kind of internal pressure on Tony La Russa in Chicago um, kind of at a minimum because I think they're going to keep winning. It was a peculiar peculiar hire when they did it. You felt like La Russa was done. He was out of that phase of his life. And then here he comes back. The age is, is I think, an issue. Not, not so much that he is, what, 76, 77, whatever he is. But then he's been away from the bench and the dugout for as long as he was. I think the combination of the two is interesting, and the dynamics will be, certainly be interesting to follow. Like Dusty Baker, he 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 hasn't really left the bench, so his age, right? You, you felt like he's still there the whole. He's been there the whole time, and has gone through a generational change. Well, and uh, you're right on the Dusty Baker point for sure. And and yes, Larusa had been out for quite a while. And I don't know, maybe this will end up failing. I, I really don't know what the future is going to be. I just think that they're good enough from a roster yeah. standpoint that they're going to win. Yeah. Um, I, I just I believe that. Now, he is a totally different manager than the modern manager. And we don't see hires go this direction anymore. We see hires go the direction of not overly experienced at managing a team, but you're not that far removed from playing you – still know how to you know identify with guys on their level 
But maybe the most important aspect of it is you can process the information fed to you from the front office from an analytical standpoint, and you can employ it and put it into play and put it into motion on the field with you and your staff. That's processing the information and then relaying that information and putting it into motion is the most important thing right now for a manager to be able to do. They have to be able to talk both languages, so to speak. You know, they have to be able to talk the, the front office analytical language, and then they have to be able to talk the more traditional coaching and managing language and, and somehow melt the two to, to make it work on the field. And, and the best managers right now are probably the best communicators to be honest with you. And so th- this, that's not, you know, that's not Tony La Russa. I mean, I think we all know, I didn't describe him. He's not going to be diving into the analytics a whole lot. He's going to be managing more on feel and more the old traditional way of managing a baseball team. And that can still work. Uh, I mean, it can absolutely still work if you have the right roster to do it with. And I think he has the right roster to do it with. And that's why I think it'll ultimately work. Again, busy with Lane Grindle, our Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. You, you, the Brewers have, have kind of come through a, a run of playing teams in that NL East. You've seen Miami. You've seen Philly. You saw Atlanta over the weekend. What's your, what's your analysis of the Braves? They've really kind of gotten out of the gate slowly this year. Yeah, they've been very disappointing. I think when they get healthy on the mound and with Wasker Inoa's latest injury that he suffered in Milwaukee after the Brewers roughed him up on Sunday – um, you know, they may not be 100% healthy on that mound for a while. But if they get full go on the mound, I still think they're the team to beat in the NL East. I like their roster. They have superstars. They, you know, Cunha's been injured, or he was against us. The Braves still took two out of three because they have such a good lineup. I still like that team long-term in the NL East. Haven't seen the Mets yet. You know, they've got the pitching, and I think they have the position players to get hot and have a big run in them before it's all said and done. And I like the Phillies, too. The Phillies swept the Brewers in a four-game series in Philadelphia. They didn't have Bryce Harper during that time. They are a very legitimate team when you start going through their roster and everything they have to offer. I think they're a little thin from a bullpen standpoint. That might hold the Phillies back. The Marlins are scrappy. Uh, They are better than people realize. They have some good young arms. I don't think they have the ability to win that division but I think they have the ability to ruin somebody else's hopes (laughs) of winning that division before it's all said and done. So it's, it's a good division. I think it's a really good division. I think it's a better division than people realize. I don't think the overall records are going to reflect an elite team because I think they're going to beat up on each other a lot in that division. But I think when that team, whoever it is emerges from the NL East, I think that team's going to be a handful in the postseason. Yeah, the Mets have the best interdivision record. I know they're eleven and five against the teams in that division, but uh, you're right; they're also closely compacted. I think it's going to be interesting. All right, I know you're finishing up a series with the Royals. What's ahead for the crew in the next week? Off day on Thursday, and then uh, the first. How about this? The first games against the Reds this year. Brewers have not seen the Reds in their own division yet this season. So, uh, get our first look at the Reds in Cincinnati over the weekend and then back home for a for a brief four-game homestand against the San Diego Padres. Who they're playing some pretty good baseball and getting Tatis and Hosmer back today. Lane, great stuff as always. We'll uh, chat again next Wednesday. All right, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
We're back. Hour three, Wednesday night, Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. We're going to have some fun here this hour as we're going to get into our buy-sell coming up here in a few minutes. We'll keep some open phones later for you in the on in the hour with, uh, so you can op- opine on any of the topics of the day. Let's go. Let's start her up with the buy-sell. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim Curran. Sold. And Austin Orman. That's right. It is another edition of Buy or Sell, America's favorite, dare I say, game show. At least it's my favorite. Uh, maybe not this week. I, I think I took some knocks, took some licks, but I'm nipping at the leader's heels, which will be revealed shortly so everyone uh hold your horses we'll get to that in a second but uh i guess we'll just jump right into it a whole host of new answers to bring you beginning with a brett q surprisingly not uh, not football related uh, actually from the nba from november 18th of last year a buyer so that the brooklyn nets would be a two seed or higher in the east in the 2021 NBA playoffs. The answer ended up being a buy. Brett nailed it on the line. They are exactly a two seed. Brett bought it. I bought it. Josh bought it. But everyone else wrong with the sell. Suckers did not believe in Brooklyn. Whoa. Yeah. The dynamic trio couldn't stay on the floor <laughs> together, but some somehow found it. Hi, Austin. Hello. Nice of you to... Tim, give you some introduction time before we start the segment. No. Oh, he's too busy getting ready for his great questions and yeah. his great answer reading. I give, so I give the fans much anyways. I give the fans what they want. More of me, a little bit less of Austin. It's just like throwing out red meat, you know? <laughs> just jeez. Well, speaking of more, we have more Brett NBA answers. This one he asked just about a month and a half ago. He asked, buy or sell that both the Charlotte Hornets and New York Knicks qualify for the NBA playoffs without the play-in tournament? The answer was a sell. The Knicks made it. The Hornets uh, very much did not. They were blown out by Indiana. Their season done. That happened yesterday. So with the answer being a sell, Greg and Ben, you two correct. Tim as well. Josh, Brett, and I all incorrect. Another 50-50 split on the NBA. Now we got it going right here. Yeah, I'm on the board. (laughs) Now we can start. I'm two for two on NBA questions. As a noted NBA expert on this year program, um, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with that. So good for me. Just patting myself on the back. Ben usually likes do. to point out that I... We don't have enough I, of that in this segment. You know, yeah, it like, is what you do. <laughs> this is true. Uh, moving on to a Husker baseball cue. This was Austin's uh, brainchild from April 14th. Buy or sell that Nebraska baseball would host a regional. Looks like Orman cursed NU because the answer was a sell. They did not make the final cut. Curse you, NCAA. Uh, so, Brett... And myself, as well as Greg and Ben, all sold it and got it right, whereas Austin, the sucker that he is, bought it, and so did Josh. No regional Austin, for a new. Just can't find a way to get your own questions. I just, just can't. can't. I, You know, I think if this decision had come and the NCAA was going to say, yep, 100% fans, I think it's a shoe-in. Hey, Market Park would be filled up, but uh, I blame the NCAA. On the topic <laughs> of, of tuning my own horn, I'd like to point out Austin's 0 for 3, whereas I am, I'm 3 for 3 right now. I just wanted to point that out for the record. All right. That is that is noted. 
We will see if I can get on the board here with a Ben MLB question. Ben, you asked us, buy or sell that Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers strikes out at least 50 batters before issuing his first walk of the season. At the time, he was at 40. He was on the COVID list for a little while after that, but he came back, did not miss a beat, got to 58 strikeouts before a walk, I believe. So the answer is a buy. Again, a 50-50 split here. Three of us present incorrect. The only one present correct was Tim, along with Josh and Brett. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's so what? 18 more strikeouts to one walk when I asked a question. That's just insane. Yes, as well as now one, two run home run to Michael A. Taylor tonight. Boom time. And his record has already been broken. Yeah. Yeah. Cole just got it last night. Cole. Yeah. Okay, well, got another Ben Q. Uh, this one of Husker Baseball. By ourselves that Nebraska would force Northwestern into at least five errors in their series last weekend. The answer was a sell. They had just two errors, so not even close. But I bought it. So did Greg and Ben. We all got it wrong, whereas Brett, Austin, and Josh, all correct with a sell. Yeah, not having the game, the third game hurt. But, yeah, they didn't boot it around as much as I thought they might. This is true. You get you get a little bit of brownie points in that they didn't play that final game, but should have seen that coming. Yeah, I love getting brownie points from Tim. They just mean so much. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that five of the six of us saw coming was the Royals winning at least two games between last Wednesday night and uh, the end of play last night. They actually got three wins in that time frame. The only one of us who sold that and was incorrect. Yep, Tim. <laughs> I saw it out of principle. I mean, it wasn't necessarily that I thought that wasn't going to happen, but I just, I just, yes. You could actually call me a hater. Yes. Was it worth it? I think so. Principle that you stood for worth it. I I, I think it was. Okay, mission accomplished. Then (laughs) you're right. Uh, Josh has a Preakness cue or answer, I should say. Uh, buy or sell that the winner of the Preakness, which, as I understand it, is a is a horse race, uh, finishes with a time under a minute fifty four and a half seconds. The answer was a buy as Rambauer, <clears throat> as I scratch my throat, uh, won in a minute 53 and 62 milliseconds. Or, now yeah, how about that? So, uh, Tim, myself, Austin, Josh, all wrong with the sell, whereas Brett, Greg, and Ben, correct with the buy. Fast track conditions, baby. Yep. Rambauer yep. owned Broke it. that down, yeah. Yeah, literally less than a second. That's a, that's a good little line Josh had. I'm not sure how he worked that one up. Maybe we ought to ask him on some more Preakness Maybe cues. he texted Andy. <laughs> Maybe he did. Well, we might have te- We've called Andy, and Greg had another Preakness question for us. You asked us, Greg, buy or sell that Medina Spirit finishes in the top three of the Preakness. He squeaked his nose across that finish line in third. The answer, a buy. Ben and Brett, the only two correct. Got to buy the cheaters, baby. Cheaters always win Tom as our Brady. top ten list. Yep. We should learn from Tom <laughs> Brady. Last week would suggest Super Bowl champ, multi Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. Not not a bad athlete in terms of performance on our top ten list yesterday with PED. So you had to you had to roll with Medina Spirit. This is true. Uh, turns out performance enhancers work. <laughs> they do enhance performance. Yeah, this is this is this in is the known. Name. This is known. Uh, got a major league baseball question. This one, Ben's buy or sell that Jared, or rather an answer, buy or sell that Jared Kalenic would hit a home run before the Mariners would lose three games, starting when he was activated. The answer ended up being a buy. He hit a home run in his second game. And of course, they ended up losing it. But Ben bought it, got it right. So did Brett. So did Austin. So did myself. Whereas Greg and Josh, the only two who sold it and got it wrong, 
I can't believe four of us bought that. But, yeah, he went deep in his second game. He's not hitting particularly well. And how about this fact? The, Mar- the, the, the Mariners have been no hit twice in the last two weeks, and he still <laughs> found a way to homer. I saw something said the Mariners as a team, their batting average right now, 199. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely atrocious. All right, from MLB to NBA, one of my questions I asked, buy or sell that one of the three teams currently outside the NBA playoffs qualifies for the play-in tournament or that the Lakers avoid the play-in tournament? The answer was a sell as the Bulls, Pelicans, and Kings failed to make up ground, and the Lakers let me down. They are in the play-in taking on Golden State later tonight so the answer is a sell two for four here ben and tim you the only two correct mm. suck it. it lakers yep sorry bron sorry bron all right finishing things out with a brett softball answer buyer so that husker softball would score at least 16 runs across their four game series with northwestern or a player from either team would record a grand salami in the series the answer was a sell. Just 12 runs and uh, no grand slams, although there were nine home runs between Woo-wee. the two teams. How about that? Greg, Ben, and Austin all got it right at the sell, whereas everyone else wrong with the buy. Man, nine, if you would have told me before that there'd be nine bombers, I'd probably buy that there's a grand slam in there. I think that's yeah. kind of kind of lucky. Yeah, unlucky. Uh, good stuff from Brett, but uh, in the end, not enough runs generated. Well, that brings us to the totals for this week. Ben uh, pacing it with eight of 11. Uh, Greg at 5 of 11 this week. Uh, Brett was also tied. He had a nice week at 8 of 11. Way uh, to go, Brett. Brett Whitty from the top rope. Coming, coming out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, whereas I had a gentlemanly 6 of 11. And Josh and Austin, a paltry poor 4 oh. of 11. Eesh. Ooh, a oh. yeah, I, Austin. You know, I, I have I have no... No excuses here, although I did feel slightly less bad seeing Josh down there with me. So uh, it, it happens, I guess, to me more than anyone else this season, question mark. Austin, you know what this is? You know what you are? You're you're the 15 seed that is down 20 in the first round of the NCAA tournament, comes storming back to cut it to like six with four minutes left, and you end up losing by 30. That, yeah. that's, that, that, that's what you are right now. Yeah. Pretty much just teasing us. I'm thinking more Austin's like a guy. He, he hasn't bought into the culture yet, you know. He's just kind of lackadaisical, you know, just just loafing out there on the practice field. Got to got to get it in gear, Corbin. But that brings us to the overall totals. Ben still leading the way at 77 of 125. That's a 61.6 percentage. No, wait, no, wait. I was ahead going into the week, so Ben's well. not still ahead. But I know I've dropped back <laughs> behind him now. But I was the lead last week. Yeah, Greg, Greg was uh, under under uh, under investigation for performance-enhancing uh, mind games. So, uh, But Greg, <laughs> at 75 of 125 now, sitting right at 60%. I am nipping on Greg's heels. I'm at 74 of 125 at 59.2%. And then Josh at 70. So kind of a gap between all the rest of us, the top three and everyone else. 70 of 125. Uh, Brett at 69 of 125, whereas Austin... Dead last at 65 of 125. That's a total of 52%. So, so what's what's Ben's lead on me? Two? He's got two, two questions. Points. Yeah. Okay. 77. That's right. That's right. So I was back up on top. One, I was up along. one, and then you outdid me by three this week. I did not have a good week. Oh, no. That was, yeah, that was rough stuff. Which brings us to this week's questions, and Greg will lead us off. All right. We're going Husker baseball. Question one, buy or sell that Nebraska's team ERA this weekend is below four. Hmm. I hate when I can't even decide how to answer my own questions. <laughs> um, 
I'm gonna buy that. Alright. I'm gonna buy it too. Buckeyes are a little slow offensively right now. And I think feel like Nebraska's really gonna need to focus on neutralizing the top five in Indiana's lineup. If they can do that, I think they got a good shot at it. Hmm. I, I, you know what? I think I'm about to sell. Um, it'll be close, but I, I do think that you have four games instead of three, uh, which does concern me. That maybe maybe that uh, that last game, the numbers get inflated a little bit. So I'm gonna have to say sell. Unfortunately, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Go big red. Austin's in. Yes, right. sir. In with a buy. Homer Orman. He's got some ground to make up. So there you go. All all yeah. for it. And uh, brings us to Ben. All right. College baseball's question here. Base, this is uh, this is there's a note here. There's a there's a side sidebar to this. This isn't coming from bitter Husker fan here. This is coming from straight from D1 baseball projections the last six weeks uh, with baseball regionals. Buy or sell that of all the Big Ten teams that make the field of 64, Nebraska is paired with the highest national seed of any of the Big Ten teams. Hmm. So, for example, Nebraska is a two seed in the Fayetteville Regional. Arkansas is the number one national seed. Nebraska would be that team. If Even if Michigan's a three seed and they get paired with the 16 overall national seed as the host, hopefully that question makes sense. Barely. So I'll buy it. <laughs> okay, Tim's, Tim's <laughs> jumping the gun here. Um, he, he just I'm, gets so excited. He, he just does. can't wait can't to fire off his answer. Well, let me let me ask the other participants this week. Greg and, and Austin, are you clear on the question? Yes. Yep. Okay. Crystal. All right. I'm I'm buying it. Uh, I suppose it goes to me since we already got Tim's answer out of the way. <laughs> uh, three for three on buys. Yep. I'll buy it. Baseball America has Nebraska going to Arizona. I think. Who would be the f- number four national seed? Right. So still so really like, yeah. high. Yep. But I mean, who, who are okay? So Arkansas is one. Who's two and three right now? Two will, like, right now. Two would be Texas. Vanderbilt would be three. Arizona four. You've got like Mississippi State in there would would be in the next batch. Tennessee's in that next batch. I mean, Notre Dame's like, in that next batch. I could see. I could see Indiana, Indiana getting shoved to the Vandy. South Bend Regional. Or Vandy. Michigan might go to South Bend. Hmm. Yeah, I still think there's a really good chance the brass is going to Fayetteville, so I'll buy it. Look at that. Clean sweep on buys. Uh, which brings me to my uh, carefully crafted Major League Baseball question. I think everyone will understand this one. Uh, buyers sell that the next no-hitter thrown this season will come from a, a National League pitcher, or there will be another no-hitter before the end of the month. I'm going to buy it. There's already been five. Uh, probably on pace for another one here pretty soon. And uh, I bet you I'll hit on both. Even though it's an or question, not an and question, I bet you'll come out of the National League. So, bye on both accounts. Man, Spencer Turnbull last night for the Detroit Tigers. Getting a no-no. That he did. Stayed up to watch the last couple outs of it. But I think we're going to slow down a little bit. I will I'll sell it. I really think I'll sell it. Well, it could come from a National League, though. That's part of this question. It could, but meh. Give me the AL. No. NL hater. Hates I, the, like, once I like oars, so I, I'll, I'll buy an oar. Do you like oar mins, though? That's another question. Sure. Yes. I'm buying, too. I, I feel like it's a 50-50 chance with ALNL, plus you get the bonus by getting one by the end of the month, and we're on a roll. Sure. Give me the odds. There we go. 
All right. We'll Plus, go. I'm on the opposite side of Austin of his own question, which is where <laughs> you want to be. Well, that was a Tim question. We're getting to my yeah, Oh, that was a Tim, Tim special, okay. yeah. So keep that in mind here for this question, though. Okay. Uh, buy or sell that a, an NBA team that played in the play-in tournament forces their series to at least six games or that the leading score for the series comes from the team in the play-in game. And I am going to buy that. So if they win the next series, but it's not in six, does that count? Um, no. Let's yeah. Let's revise the question. Because you got forces a series to go to at least six. What if they win in five? We'll yeah. say wins or forces to at least six. How about that? Okay, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. By the way, we have another no hitter brewing right now in the Yankees <laughs> Rangers game. Uh, let's see. Who is it? What are you just probably Garrett Cole? No, he just pitched. Um, I'll tell you in a second. It's either Corey Kluber or, uh, yeah, it's Corey Kluber, the Klubot. They're well, there you go. Five, Look at that, though. It's only through five innings. Just really saying. Through five. Long way to go. Only throwing 62 pitches. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to lock in on Austin's question here. So <laughs> I think I think somebody can win a series that comes out of these two nights. So I'm going to buy this. I agree. I'm buying it. I I like. I, it's a good question. I think uh, I understand where he's coming from, but I, I'm with Greg. I think it's very possible that one of the teams can win a series that's coming through that. Um, just just for reference, all three of you are in agreement with me on oh, my question. Yeah. Just just throwing that out there. Did I did I buy it? The question revision it. is what's pushed me time over the for edge. You, Tim, you come after Ben. I would argue I come whenever I want, but uh, yeah, I'm buying That's it. That's true. Track the the audio tape would prove Tim's point to be correct. <laughs> this is true. Uh, which brings us to a Josh Golf cue. By ourselves that the trio of Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa, and Bryson DeChambeau all three make the cut of the PJ Championship, or one of them finishes in the top two. Josh is selling it, but I think I'm going to buy that. I think that the trio. Uh, is going to make the cut. But I'm not sure about any of them finishing the top two, but I'll buy the trio. Those are all solid players. Um, sure, I'll buy it. Why not? May as well. Finishing the top two is hard. Um, this is a hard course. I sell it. Sell. Bryson DeChambeau's not making the cut. He's terrible. <laughs> Just a grudge. Just has a grudge. All right, from golf to a Brett soccer question. We were about due for one of these. Uh, Brett asked us, buy or sell that something called a Leicester City finishes in fourth place in the Premier League or that there are at least 27 goals scored across the 10 games on Sunday. Brett sold it. And sure, I'll side with him. I'll sell as well. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess I'll go. I don't have to wait for Ben. Um... I'm going to have to – so Leicester City's in fifth place. They would need Liverpool to lose, uh, I believe, and Leicester would need to win. So that seems pretty unlikely. Also, it isn't early, though. So I think the goals would be more likely on the final match day, 27 goals. That's probably about right. But I'm going to sell it just because I don't think Leicester City is going to finish fourth. But the goals could happen, but I'm still selling it. Sure. You convinced me. So <laughs> – uh, give me the goals. We root for offense on this side. So let's let's rip some balls and nets this weekend, boys. All right. Let's That's... make some free kicks. Let's make some penalty kicks. Let's make some headers. 
Let's make some, some corner corners. kicks. Yep, there you go. Some Let's indirect free kicks in the yep. box. Make them all. Yeah. Yep. Blister some rockets from outside the box. Let's oh, yeah. do it. Which uh, like, brings us to great. Uh, I like the word nil. We're going to hear a lot of nils this week. <laughs> no shot. Okay, as long as it's 10 nil, I'll take that. <laughs> 10 All right, I'm going PGA for my next question. Buy or sell that this week's winner has already won a major championship? Hmm. And I don't know how many of them are in the field. There's probably a dozen that are in the field. Um... I'm going to sell that. I think somebody who's previously won a major is going to win this one. So if they've previously won a major, it's a buy? I'm buying. Yes. Give me the experience. Pedigree right there. Did I buy, too? Did I buy? You said sell. You said sell. Your logic screamed buy to me. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And that's why I I do want to buy it. Yeah, I do want to buy it. That this is somebody who's won one before. Well, Tim, go ahead. I guess like I was waiting for Austin. I was being. Oh, no, it's your turn, Tim. I'm trying to go in the you correct order. Ben. Tim, you, f- you follow Ben. Tim, you follow me. Got so hesitant. Well, I guess you technically go whenever you want. So Austin, yep. I guess that's your fault for not knowing that Tim didn't want to go yet. Yeah, you should Whoops. just you should just use the order I have in my head. I'm not really sure what Austin's doing over there. Well, but. Here, the order has been changing in your head all night. <laughs> it's impossible for us to keep up. Uh, well, that's a that's a that's a you problem. Uh, I'm gonna sell this. I think that it's gonna be a rando. No one's ever gonna no one's gonna actually have heard of this person. Um, okay. that's what I that's what I think. So sell. Um, you can tell I'm not in Tim's head because I'm on the other side of the question. I'm going to buy it. They have won a major. Okay. And Greg, just to be clear, you did you are buying your question, correct? Yeah, I'm okay. buying. Yeah, because I was arguing to buy it, and then right. I, I don't know why I said so. Yes, okay. I'm buying. Cool. Okay. Brings us to bed. All right, here we go. Uh, Jeremy and Mercedes in the news this week. Homer's off uh, La Tortuga, the, uh, the right-handed catcher for the twins William Astadio he was the one that hit that homer buy or sell that he homers again before play next Wednesday Wednesday so games through Tuesday I'm selling ain't gonna happen yeah I don't think it's gonna happen either so sorry well if it was up to Tony La Russa, he wouldn't homer again <laughs> um, yeah, joke. but I think he lucks into one sure give me your mean how many does he have on the year? Do anybody have that? I handy? think three, but he's hitting 368. Yeah, he's got a great average. Let's see. He's an interesting looking fella. He has six homers this year, in fact. Oh, six, okay. So double up what Ben just said. Mm-hmm. Six um, of his 49 hits have left the yard. I'll sell. Okay. There we have it. Uh, which brings me to my NHL question. Big, big NHL guy here, big puck head. Buy or sell that the Blues beat the Avalanche. The series currently 1-0 Colorado, or it goes to at least six games. Uh, I'm not going to buy it. I believe in the Blues. I'm back in the Blues. Uh, if you believe you can achieve all that nonsense, uh, yeah, bye. They had a bunch of guys that had tested positive for COVID that set out game one. Now the league has come back and said they got a bunch of false positives, and so they're all good to go again. This is true, which is why they're going to win. Doesn't matter. Go Avs. <laughs> Sell. Look at this partisanship happening on buy sell right now. It's, it, it's going to go six. I buy it. It's going to go six. I really want to sell it just because I don't want to agree with Tim. Like, <laughs> I just really want to do it. So the, the, you're talking about the Blues win the series or it goes six? Yep. 
Yep, that's Man, right. Just too, just too many arrows pointing the way of a buy. I can't be stupid. I gotta buy it. Gotta hope that hurt. I gotta hurt. I gotta hurt Tim where it counts, and that's on the scoreboard, not on, not in the question. <laughs> Protect, protecting his lead, isn't he? Yeah. And just slowly, slowly. Yeah. Uh, it's an or. The logic's there. Okay. It's not like I'm just copycatting. <laughs> I'm eating into your lead, though. Just, just so you know. Yeah, if you're I think I just job, outscored Tim. you by four last week. I don't think you're creeping up on anything. Uh, only by like three. So I'm good. All right, I'll wrap us up with a Husker baseball question. Uh, buy or sell that Nebraska baseball scores at least 23 runs or allows no more than 20 runs this weekend. Nebraska has scored 23 runs combined in its four games against Indiana and Ohio State so far this year and allowed 20. So I will think the trends hold and go Big Red again. Bye. So, so score 23 or more allow 20 or fewer. They're going to see some really good arms this weekend, so I don't know that they get to 23. Um, and I bought earlier that their ERA would be under 4. So that part I got covered, so I'll buy that. I'm going to buy it and hope it's the they allow... 20 runs or less because I've already got the team ERA less than four, so I'm going to stay consistent. So you're buying could it? I, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to sell it because why not? Sell. You you could have been, you could have, you know, kind of covered your bet there, gone both ways on could it. Could have. That's now high roll. Run. We double down on this on this team. <laughs> <laughs> and that that brings us to the uh, to the fateful end of, of got an myself. eleven, got an eleven against a ten showing. We're hitting. <laughs> This is true. And that that, that concludes this week's edition of Buy Sell. Very good.